Hello, my name is Wendy Myers. Welcome to the Live to 110 podcast. You can find me at liveto110.com and you can learn all about my detox program at mineralpower.com. Today we have a very important show about alternatives to mammogram. Dr. Kevin Kelly uh, performed a Sonocine breast scan on me. It's like an ultrasound movie that can detect cancers at very small uh, sizes, 5 millimeters, which is about half the size that you can detect a tumor on a mammogram. And it's also very important to note that if you have breast implants or if you have dense breast tissue, which includes about 40 to 50% of women, uh, a mammogram can't see through that. So a mammogram is ultimately going to be ineffective at determining if you have breast cancer. Um, so I was very, very thrilled to meet Dr. Kevin Kelly and got a scan myself and found that I was cancer-free. Very, very happy about that. Um, hopefully I would be uh, since I do infrared saunas uh, all the time and detox. <laughs> so I better be cancer-free. Uh, but the show, it's very, very important, and Dr. Kevin Kelly saves women's lives, and i um, very uh, honored to bring this information to you. Please keep in mind that this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease or health condition, and is not a substitute for professional medical advice. Please consult your healthcare practitioner before doing anything that we suggest today on the show. So my detox fact of the day, uh, for each podcast, I'm doing a little detox fact to teach you guys um, about detoxification and toxic metals. Today I want to talk about aluminum. Uh, There's a lot of buzz on the blogosphere that aluminum causes breast cancer because it's found in breast tissues, Um, but correlation does not mean causation. Um, You know, we slather on uh, toxic deodorant that's full of aluminum. Um, onto our underarms every day, many of us for years and years and years. So obviously that aluminum that we're putting on that area uh, will, you know, diffuse into our skin, into the local tissues. So um, I personally believe aluminum uh, is not one of the causative factors of cancers, even though the breast tumors can be full of aluminum. Um, And uh, so any deodorant that you're using from the store or the drugstore or the grocery store, those all contain aluminum. You have to use a natural uh, aluminum-free deodorant. Uh, even the crystal, that contains aluminum. That's why it works, because it has the, naturally just contains aluminum. Um, so definitely be careful in your choice of deodorants. Our guest today is Dr. Kevin Kelly. of the medical, He's a medical director of the Breast Ultrasound Center in Pasadena, California, and has been in private practice as a diagnostic radiologist for 34 years. He was director of breast imaging at Huntington Memorial Hospital and the Hill Breast Center, renamed Huntington Hill Breast Center, in Pasadena for 20 years. Dr. Kelly is one of the country's leading authorities on ultrasound to detect cancers in women with dense breast tissue and or implants. Since 1993, he has been conducting clinical research on the discovery and characterization of breast cancer by ultrasound, and in 1997 began his journey to develop the Sonocine Abbas uh, exam. So you can learn more about that at sonocine.com and find Dr. Kelly at Dr. I think it's Kevin Kelly MD.com. Dr. Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the show. 
Well, thank you for inviting me, Wendy. This is this is a real opportunity to talk to all the women out there and let them know exactly what's going on with ultrasound and mammography. Yeah, and I, how- I think it's a really, really important show because there are millions of women out there getting mammography and it does not work for them if they have dense breast tissue or like myself, I got breast implants when I was 19 when I had poor decision-making skills. And so <laughs> I, uh, mammography is not going to work for me. I've had three friends of mine whose implants were ruptured, uh, just three friends at the, of, in my friend population. I know three people that have had problems with mammography and it will not detect cancers, uh, cause the mammography, the, you know, mammogram machine cannot see through implants. So I was uh, very honored that you, uh, ele- you know, gave me a, uh, a Sona breast scan and, uh, not only found that I was cancer free, but that I had a leaking implant. Um, yes. so that I'm currently seeking a surgeon to, uh, correct that. But that was, for me, was very profound, uh, to find that. So I, I thank you very much for, you know, finding that, that issue. Well, you are certainly welcome. And ultrasound really is is the way to to look at implants. But let me explain a little bit how X-ray, rather how how mammograms and ultrasound differ. Um, When you have any sort of X-ray, you have to look through the entire thing to see anything. It's like standing in front of a little forest and wondering... I wonder if there's a bear in that forest, but I don't want to go in there and find out. So you, if it's December, there's no leaves on the trees and you can see all the way through the forest. And sure enough, maybe there's a bear in the next hill over there. If it's summer, there's leaves on the trees and that's what is equivalent of dense breasts. So that, that you can't see through the forest because in this case, in the forest case, it's the leaves are in the way, and in the in the mammograms, it's the tissue that's in the way. The tissue co- covers that cancer, so you can't see it. Um, and there is there is not much way around that. And as far as the implants go, it's like looking at this forest, and there's a mountain in the middle of it, which is the implant because you can't see through the implant and you can't get around the implant. You can take, you can walk around the mountain a little bit, but you just can't, you can't really see real well. And mammograms, in, by their very nature, you have to thin the breast out as much as you can. So when you push down on the implant, um, in, the, in the relatively old days when the um, capsules were thin, uh, sometimes they, they would rupture. Sometimes now, even now with saline implants, if you put too much pressure on there, the valve, there's a valve where they put the saline into the implant. Saline is just salt water. That ain't going to hurt you. But you can sometimes cause a slow leak that may take a few months to end up with a flat tire. And so I would... Uh, Tell your audience to, if you have saline implants, say you be very, very careful and don't push real hard here yeah. if you're going to do a mammogram. Now, an ultrasound 
is done from the skin looking in. And there's nothing, and the first rule of breast cancer is that it occurs in the breast. And all of the implants are either behind the breast or behind the breast and the muscle. So they don't get, a, they don't get in the way. It's like look, looking at what's on the table and it doesn't have to be a glass table because you don't care about the table. What you care about is what's above the table. And so ultrasound is very good at that. Um, and because it looks in from the skin down. Um, and so for implants, this is really important. For dense breasts, this is really important because dense breasts um, obscure the contents of the breast. And it's kind of a sliding scale. You can see some of the bigger cancers, but you're going to miss the little cancers. And what's important, uh, you know, the, they talk about, well, we found this cancer by mammography. And you say, well, how big was it? And they say, well, it was two centimeters. And you say, well, that's pretty big. That's almost an inch. Um, that's what you want to do is you want to find the cancer when it's really small. Yeah. And that's what the pap smear did. The pap smear, when, it, when I was in uh, medical school, women feared breast uh, cervical cancer more than they feared uh, breast cancer because they couldn't find it early. And in the, in this guy by the name of Papa Nicolau, hence the pap smear, he um, figured this out and figured out how to, to scrape cells onto the, to a slide early and find this cancer early. And so now women who are in their 30s and 40s, they don't even think about cervical cancer. They don't, they don't even think much about why am I doing this, this uh, pap smear? They just know they're supposed to do it because they've never met anybody who's died of, breast, of, of cervical cancer. Um, and if we can find equivalently cancers that small in the breast, a generation from now, those women will go in and get an ultrasound and not even think about it. Yeah, because with your invention, Sonacine, there's no reason for women to die of breast cancer now. So why don't we talk, because it, it finds the, the tumors so small. So why don't we talk specifically and tell the audience what is Sonacine and why did you invent it? Yeah, well, this was um, about 20 years ago. I had learned a little bit of ultrasound in Europe and came back, had a very busy, busy practice, been a, a breast radiologist for 30 years. And I it dawned on me that if I could see a cancer on a mammogram or feel a cancer in the woman, 100% of the time, I could see that I could see that cancer with ultrasound, and that wasn't true the other way around. I could feel some cancers and they didn't show up on mammograms, and I could see some on mammograms that I couldn't feel. But it said to me, 
I ought to be able to scream with this because breasts aren't the size of Texas. You know, if I if I don't know where it is, I should have a way of looking at it so that I would see it. And the at the time, uh, women were the what they were doing was hand scanning, which is where the usually a tech, technologist in this country usually a technologist runs across. The, the probe along the breast, and that kind of works. And some and a lot of times you'll find very small cancers. The thing is, it doesn't work all the time. And part of it is that it is, when you're doing the study itself, it takes a certain amount of brain power to do this right. And you're thinking about what you're doing rather than thinking entirely about looking for cancers. It's somewhat the same as trying to futz with your cell phone while you're driving. Both of those are take a certain amount of intelligence and brain power to deal with, and we think we can multitask, and actually there's no such thing as multitasking. No, no. No, what, what we get when we do that is we flip back and forth. We do a little bit of task one, then we do a little bit of task... Whoa, there you go. <laughs> so I'm clearing my screen. <laughs> yeah. And we go back and forth. And every time we go back and forth, we lose a little bit of the knowledge because we don't get it into our brain enough. Yeah, so when the, the, the radiologist is doing an ultrasound scan, they're scanning they're, the breast and trying to look at the same time to look for a tumor, and it just doesn't. It, it, it's not it's effective. A thought, it's a thought process because you're thinking about what you're doing rather than what you're seeing. It, because you're these some of these cancers are very subtle. If it's a big cancer, pretty big cancer, they'll find it. It is. There's no question. If you had a choice between, if you could only have one thing. And you could have a mammogram or a hand-scanned ultrasound uh, by somebody who knows what they're doing. Take the hand-scanned ultrasound. It's, it is, um, it's most of the way there. But, but the reason that it hasn't been fully accepted is what we're talking about. You know, if, if you're, that's why they put you in jail if you have your cell phone and, and you're driving. It, you can do it most of the time. It's just most of the time isn't good enough. Yeah. yeah. So what are the benefits of doing a sonocine scan? So it's finding cancers smaller than would a, a mammogram. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. The, what, we try to do, what I try to do is there is a, a sweet spot for finding a cancer. And for me, that's 5 to 10 millimeters. And when I first did this... Um, study of Sonocini in, in the, uh, about 10 years ago, we tripled the number of cancers right at that size. And so I knew we were on the, on the road to the right, um, the right fix here. And if the cancers are smaller than five millimeters and you try to find them, you end up finding a lot of normal things and you, you pick out too many things. Whereas once you get up to, once at, at five to 10 millimeters, you can find the cancer and 
there is a study that just came out from Holland that they looked at 173,000 women who had breast cancer and divided them up into different groups. And, and this was a survival study. They were trying to figure out what kind of cancer, how big of a cancer that you would survive and how long. And so they had 17,000 that were 10 millimeters or less. And 10 millimeters is a little less than a half an inch. And they figured out over 15 years uh, that what the survival curve for those women were was. And then they took the women who had died who didn't have breast cancer and they age matched it. And the the um, the curve superimposed pretty much, you know, 1% difference maybe. But what that said is if you have a cancer that's between 5 and 10 millimeters, you have as much, you will live as long as a woman who's never had a cancer. And that's if you're living in Holland, which in Holland they take care of everybody. So nobody gets nobody gets left behind, and they they are very they very good medicine, and because it hasn't gotten to the to the lymph nodes, there's no chemotherapy. Um, you only need chemotherapy basically um, if you have cancer in your lymph nodes, and in order to get the cancer in the lymph nodes it has to grow to a certain size. Yeah. And usually at one centimeter, 98% chance, it's not in the lymph nodes. And I personally believe that when they're that small, you can take them out without radiation. There's some evidence also from article in Europe about this. Um, and if you could do that it would make, we would be like the pap smear, that not only don't you die, you, it, it's not a terrible thing. And the fear of breast cancer would gradually go away over the next 20 years, as everybody saw, this is how this works. Now, have we proven this beyond a shadow of a doubt? Uh, I'm sure to many people, no. But does it work? Yes. Are, are we finding that there's now 50 units out there? And are we finding small cancers? And more importantly, not missing small cancers. It looks like this is working. So your machine, so the Sonicine can detect a cancer as small as five millimeters. And a mammogram, the smallest that it can detect is 10 millimeters. Is that correct? No, no. Here's what the problem is. Okay. There, are, there are times the mammogram, if you have, a, if you have fatty breasts, mammogram will do just as well as the, the ultrasound mm -hmm. because the cancer doesn't make fat, and that's what makes it, it uh, stand out. You can also have little calcifications in the, in the cancer will make it stand out in terms of everything, uh, you know, doesn't matter what the background is. But the trouble is that's only about 15% of the time. So it's it's the 85% of the time in the women with the dense breasts that the cancers either get pretty big or they're found physically. 
about half the time they're found physically because it's gotten to be over an inch and that's about where you feel a cancer um, or it's pretty close to an inch and it's still found on the mammogram yeah. but it, but the idea is instead of finding at inches 25 millimeters and finding it at 15 to 20 millimeters is better than 25 but it's not as good as 5 to 10. Yes, yes. Yeah, and the problem is a lot of women are getting mammograms and their doctors either are withholding the information or just don't know, they're ignorant that the mammogram is not going to be that helpful for a dense breast tissue and women with breast implants. So uh, I think it's just uh, really women need to be made aware of their choices. Yes, and that, that's what turned the pap smear around. It took 30 years for the pap smear, from the time Papa Nicolau did his first uh, discussion or, or lecture on the pap smear. It was 1928, and it was the late 50s by the time um, it really got out there. And it, it wasn't the docs that made it happen. It was women who made it happen because the women particularly the American Nurses Association said, wait a minute, guys, you guys are arguing about this. This is us who are getting this and dying. Um, so we're going to do, we're going to do a study on us. And they did. And it showed that all of a sudden nurses didn't have, weren't dying from cervical cancers anymore. And everybody went, oh, duh. And that's, women have to get out there and do this and just demand it. And, and, you know, it's bad enough to have one woman bitching at you, but if you have a million women bitching, they're going to get something done. <laughs> yeah, and about 40% of women have dense breast tissue. And 40 so, to 50. Yeah, and so they're just not going to be helped as much as a woman with fatty breast tissue. That is correct. Yeah. And I use the example of if you have a, um, a woman who has a three centimeter cancer in her breast and she has fatty breasts, the difference between her and the woman who has a three centimeter cancer in her breast, who has dense breasts, is the woman who has the, the fatty breast and the three centimeter cancer never got mammograms, whereas the other woman may have gotten mammograms and oftentimes did has gotten mammograms. And she's just tough out of luck, whereas the other one neglected her health and that was the result of it. Yeah. But if you have dense breasts, uh, and you come up with a three centimeter cancer, you could be getting one of these once a year and just bad luck. Yeah. Yeah. And so don't mammograms expose you to radiation that in it, turn can promote breast cancer? They do expose you to radiation. The question is, how great of a risk is it? It is actually a relatively small risk. Um, we, we, we do not judge risks very well. Uh, when they're small. Um, if we really judge that, we wouldn't play the lotto. 
you know, when it gets up there to, you know, a $400 million lotto, my brother bought, bought me a ticket and said, um, don't think you're going to win this because you have 170,000 times the chance of being killed by a vending machine falling on you than you do of winning this lotto because we don't appreciate small risks. And the risk from a, a cancer, a, a, a developing a cancer in a breast, as far as we know, and this is, you know, there's some, um, we haven't nailed it down perfectly, but it's somewhat, if you had to, I, I'm in Pasadena, and if I had to drive, or and uh, a woman had to drive from Pasadena to Long Beach, she would have, to get a mammogram, she would have more chance of getting killed getting there and getting back than she would from the radiation. Yeah. Is there a risk? Yes. And they say, is there a cumulative risk? Yes. If you had seven mammograms, it would be like driving seven times to uh, Long Beach and back. Yeah. Is it truly a risk? The, the difference is you get home from doing your risk when you're driving and you're alive, that's fine. When they say accumulation, it is you don't experience the results of the risk for about 20 years. And so that's when, but, but it's really small. The big thing is it doesn't work very well. Yeah. And that's the big, because that's a big risk. Yeah. The, 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 the risk of the radiation is small, but it's there. And so why hasn't medicine embraced this technology yet? I mean, you're, you've been working for a number of years trying to, um, you know, get it accepted into the, the medical establishment. What, what's wrong? It's, it's somewhat disruptive. Um, I'll take you through when I did my, um, when we did the research, we had 6,000 women that we, or we had 6,000 instances of a year where you had a sonocinian mammogram separately read and then looked at it at the end of the year. So, so we had 60, some 6,400, I think, um, instances like that. Some of the women did it a year and then did it the next year and the next year kind of thing. So when, when that came out, I sent it into the New England Journal of Medicine, which is a very prestigious organization, and um, got thumbs up. Uh, looks pretty good. Let's, we've, do, uh, we've The editor liked it. The uh, reviewers liked it. And we were down to the pre-flight department where they were saying, we don't want this as a table. We want it as a column. We want, it, we want this pica, you know, set it up for us. So that goes um, pretty, goes along. And then we get to the end of this or right close to the end of it. And they said, drop dead. Well, uh, do I know exactly what happened? And then, then after this, I send it off to European Radiology, which is the second biggest uh, radiology journal in the world, and it's accepted immediately. It's on their website within a, in a couple of months. Mm -hmm. uh, I got accommodation after a, a year saying this was one of the top two articles uh, for the year for that journal. 
And they didn't change much from what was turned down. Well, let's talk about just now, in general. Let me explain yeah. What, yeah. what happened. Yeah. Turns out that the uh, New England Journal has one of the universities looking over it. Most likely Harvard. Because Harvard has been there a long time and so is the New England Journal. Uh, there is a thing that's called 3D mammography or tomosynthesis. Harvard owns the patents. Mm-hmm. It's somewhere around $100 million worth. So I don't know what happened exactly. But I kind of think that's that in a nutshell is a strong example of the economic pressures on here. Uh, the rest of the world, Japan, China, uh, the Canada, Mexico, all of South America, all of Europe, they all are starting to, uh, they use ultrasound. They have, you can get published articles into the press there. There is, if you own an MRI machine or you own a uh, tomosynthesis, uh, I said, well, let's see. I, I I got this. The other thing might be a little better, but we'll, we'll just let it sit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that's, this is laying it out. I'm sure this is going to get, uh, I'm going to get a lot of crap from a lot of people, but this is basically true. And it's, you know, I've spent 30 years trying to get this going. And it is, believe me, I'm, Almost, I'll be 73 in a couple of weeks. This isn't about making a huge amount of money. This is about kind of, it, it, because I had this, this um, feel it, within myself. I, I, when I, I was 55 when I figured this out. I thought, I, I knew about Papa Nicolau. I knew what, how much trouble this was going to be. And I thought, maybe I don't want to do this. But then I thought, there's a hundred women dying a day, and if I walk away from this, how the hell am I going to live with myself? Mm-hmm. And which is what ultimately, the, you know, you can't walk away from a burning building and just and just say, well, I'm, I don't want to get home late for dinner. Um, and so that's that's kind of where it was, and it is. The women have to push this. Otherwise, it's never going to happen. I can't make it happen. I can make it happen a little bit. We've got about 50 of these around the country now. But the the reason it, it really will take off is because it is, it isn't, it doesn't have the um, irregularities of how people do handheld ultrasound. It's, you know, there's a way to do it, just like a mammogram. There's a way to do it. There's a way to look at it, and it works. And it, you know, and that's that's what we needed for um, for this test to work. And it's also this is the size we, we're showing. It's the size you want to get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, five to ten millimeters, and you're gonna. Uh, it's not quite an office procedure, but it sure is not a mastectomy. It's not chemotherapy. It's not, uh, 
uh, worse things than chemotherapy. Yeah, which and is, radiation, and you don't die. You're not going to yeah, die. Yeah, don't die. That's the big one. You're not going to yeah. die from a breast cancer that's removed 5 to 10 millimeters. That's right. Yeah. And so women have to say, this is my fight, um, and go after their insurance companies and say, I demand this. You know, you're working for me and um, get this. Yeah. You know, pay for this because you're going to save money. You're not going to have to pay $200,000 for chemotherapy. If I get a cancer, it's going to cost you maybe ten grand to take out, take out my cancer and uh, maybe do an MRI or two. So that leads me to another question. Is the Sonosene covered by insurance? Well, there is a code for uh, automa- for complete breast ultrasound that's a Medicare code. Uh, it currently isn't paid for all the time. And it's if this happened with needle biopsies when we first started needle biopsies. Everybody said, oh, they're going to be biopsy and everything. So we're only going to pay for surgical biopsies. We're not going to pay for needle biopsies. And if the women push the insurance companies, they'll do it because ultimately they'll save money. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, is, uh, so how much does a Sonosine exam cost? So if you go to your doctor, how much does it cost? Yeah, it, it's, um, in my practice, because I have a very small practice and, um, for women who come in, who want to, talk to me and be examined at, at the time, that's $350. The ones that come in and just say, give me a son of Cine and I'll, and I, that meaning me, I will send you a report and give you a call. Um, it's $250. Okay. Um, if that's for me, there are other places that do take insurance because I'm a, I'm, you know, I don't see that many people a day. That, that I can afford to have an insurance uh, specialist in my office. You know, I've got two people in the office. Um, and so that's why I don't take insurance, because you have to hassle the insurance companies, and I, I just don't have the wherewithal to do that. Yeah. But there are other places. Um, there are 50 of them around the country. There's a fair number in Northern California, uh, uh Barbara Hayden, who is a, um, a breast surgeon, is opening up in um, Beverly Hills in um, couple, a couple of weeks, two or three weeks. So you said there's about 50 Sonosene machines around the country. Yes. Um, where, what states? Where are they located? Kind of all around. There's... A, there's a few of them in Northern California. There are there's some scattered through the Midwest. You can call the Sonosini. Um, you can find Sonosini online and call them. And or they may. I think they have a thing where you can put the the um, your zip code in, and it'll tell you where the closest one is. Okay, great. So that's Sonosini.com. Yes. Okay. S O N O C I N E. It um, means a sound movie. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And I really liked how when I got my exam, there was a nurse practitioner that did the exam. Um, it was totally painless. It was very relaxing. 
And then I had my consult with you and you reviewed it. So it was, yeah. uh, you know, there was no interference in the exam and the interpretation uh, of that. Uh, and totally makes sense to me. Yeah. And I, my assistant is, um, that's what she's doing. She's making sure that the test is good. Mm-hmm. And, and then I make sure that the test <laughs> doesn't show a cancer. And so I'm able to concentrate on that because I, I don't have to think about anything else. Just as this stream goes, stream of images go, goes by, um, that I'm looking at it. And cancer kind of helps in this because it disturbs. There's a nice kind of rolling um, appearance to the, the tissue as it goes by. And uh, a cancer... Uh, which means a crab in Latin is um, it has fingers. It sticks out and it grabs a hold of the tissue and it twists it. And you go, whoa, what's that? And I've had women who have never seen a cancer before. In fact, there was some I was being interviewed earlier, um, and there were two women there who had, and I was showing them one of these examples, and it was a five millimeter cancer, and they both saw it. They said, whoa, <laughs> what was that? And they had never seen. A sonocine before had never seen a cancer, but we're able to see that irregularity, that that kind of whoa, that's wrong. That something something went by that's wrong. <laughs> that's how easy it is to see a cancer on the sonocine exam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's that's how it shows up. Yeah. So, um, and I I I really feel for. So many women out there because I, I did a post on uh, Facebook uh, just about my own experience with getting a Sonocine exam and whoosh, immediately I had 20 comments. Where can I get this? You know, I knew that my mammogram wasn't, you know, working for me because I have dust bre- dust bre- uh, dense yes. breast tissue. Breast tissue. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hold your and- tongue and say that <laughs> <laughs> Yes. And so women, they know that the mammogram is not the latest cutting edge technology to detect cancer. So I know that women out there listening to this, like Dr. Kelly said, demand uh, proper screening. Because you deserve and, that. And it's out there. The technology yeah. is out there. And demanded of the insurance companies. Mm-hmm. The insurance companies would like to say no. And now the, the, um, the, uh, um, what's the, the initials, the USP, uh, the U.S. Preventive Task Force, um, they came out, they're a government sponsored uh, board of physicians and, and uh, mathematicians and statisticians and whatnot. And they have decided uh, that not to do any screening under the age of 50. And now the insurance companies say, oh, that's great. We, don't, <laughs> we won't have to pay for them. So the, um, now... It, it will be very difficult for women to get screened with mammograms under the age of 50. Um, the number one cause of death in the United States for women between the ages of 35 and 54 is breast cancer. That's ahead of everything. Car accidents, uh, alcoholism, uh, 
smoking, drinking, driving, all the, all the things that are lifestyle things, the one disease that's really there is breast cancer. And this is fixable by finding it early. And it just doesn't make any sense. Why and do you think that task force set that parameter so high at age 50? Because because that's when all the dense breasts, it's the young women with dense breasts, mammography doesn't perform very well under the age of 50. And so they say, it isn't performing very well, so we're not going to pay for it. And instead of saying, well, that's not performing very well, why don't we get something that works? And the something that works is out there. And all they have to do is do it. Yeah, it's it's amazing because it's just another example that if you plan to be healthy, you have to take matters into your own hands and Absolutely. find the cut the tools out there, screening tools and and health regimes and supplements and all everything that you can get your hands on because the doctors and the insurance companies and the status quo, the medical community, they're not going to do it for you. They're not going to take care of you. Only you are going to take care of you. Although this is beginning to change, but the original model was that you're kind of riding along the path of life on your bicycle. And when you fell in the bushes, then the docs would come and pull you out and try to fix you up and get you back on the bike. And what is really came really out of the Eastern uh, methods is... Why don't you learn how to read the? Why don't we teach you how to ride the bike? And how do how do you live to have a long life? And rather than saying I'll wait until you fall out of the parameters, and you have to fix people that fall out of the parameters. But the but the core of that should be how do I keep you on the straight and narrow? You know, as a as a physician, healthcare provider, how do you do this? Because that's really uh, what it's really all about. So let's talk a little bit about thermography. Um, do you find that to be a, a valid technology for detecting breast cancer? I had a guest on the show a while ago talking about thermography uh, and sonograms and whatnot, and I had a thermography and. Uh, what do you think about that technology? Okay, well, this is going to be a little disappointing, but um, basically um, a thermogram is an infrared picture of your breasts. It, it, right now we're only talking about thermograms of the breasts. Uh, beyond the, the, the whole body thermograms, I don't know anything about, and they may actually be worth something from a physiologic point of view, but for finding anatomic defects in the breast. This was started at, at um, uh, Dartmouth in the late 70s. And at the time, the cancers were about that were being found were about two or three centimeters in diameter. And so the way a thermogram works is if there's a hot spot, which is a tumor that... Um, is metabolizing faster, and that's why it's hot. Um, if it's big enough, you can feel just as you feel on the on the breast. Uh, you can feel the heat, 
Um, the, but now we're finding cancers that are, if you want a cancer that's a centimeter and you compare that with, with three centimeters, it's a third of a third of a third because it's wider this way, it's wider that way, and it's wider that way. So it's a, so it's three times three times three. It's about four percent of a big cancer. Um, you're just not going to see it because not not that the film doesn't work that well. But the skin and the tissue over that small cancer are work as a blanket, so the heat doesn't get up. Mm-hmm. So you you have to have a fairly big cancer that's close to the surface, and it's it's just it works minimally. Okay. And the thing that has been missing is when I started uh, Sonocini, I went out and did this test to see whether it worked because I didn't. I thought it was going to work. But I didn't know. So we had five different places that were doing it, put all the data together, looked at it and said, yeah, this works. There has never been one of those for thermography. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's been trial by Internet. And that's not real good. And you see things on the Internet. You can see things 10 years before. Uh, uh, you can see a cancer 10 years before. Well, if you start out... Cancers double about every um, about every four months, so they double three times a year. So, in three and a third years, if you had one cell, now you've gone actually up a thousand times. You'll have a um, when you run the math, it's about a thousand times. Okay, now you have a thousand shell cells. Um, the next three and a half years, you have a thousand thousands, you have a million cells. Now it's a millimeter in size. The next year, or the next uh, three and a half years, it's a billion cells. And a billion cells is about a centimeter, a little bit less than a centimeter. Um, the next one, it would be about the size of mm, a small dog, probably. Be, be a thousand times bigger than a, a centimeter. Um, and people say, who are advertising thermography, we can se- see it all the way back to one cell. No, you can't. That's just, no, you can't. You, you know, it's like I, I can shut my eyes and I can go to Pluto. No, you can't do that. Doesn't work. Um, there is there is real science there, and you have to do things that meet certain scientific criteria. rules. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's simple. Um, so, as far as I'm concerned, I, and I have I've personally seen women who have had thermograms that I could see if they had their shirt off from across the room. Even though the thermogram was called normal, uh, I could see the cancer. And that what that meant is not only was the thermo- thermography technology good enough, but the people that were dealing with it, they, they don't have to pass a, a test 
to to go out there and say, I know how to do thermography. You just go take twenty thousand dollars and buy a machine, and say, here I am. Now there and there there have been some people who get pretty good at, it, but they they're limited. But the fact that there's a lot of people that have a, a thermogram machine, it's uh, it's chaos. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for that insight. Uh, yeah. So, is there anything else that you wanted to add uh, that the listeners may need to know about Sonasine? Well, it is. It what I would say is push to the insurance company's uh, ultrasound. And the the best way of doing ultrasound is going to rise at the top, which is happens to be Sonosini. Um, you you don't have to push that. It is that does it it does it better than anything else that's in in ultrasound. And there's various reasons for that. But um, any of your uh, listeners or videoers. Um, uh, who are close enough want to come see me. I am in Pasadena. Um, you can find me on the internet, uh, Kevin M. Kelly, MD. Um, and if you find one from San Diego, that's my son. Is uh, He's an ER doc. Um, this is in Pasadena. And um, I'd love to have you. And particularly if you think you have, if you have, think you have something wrong, then just make sure I'm there because if you think you've got a mass or something like that that nobody's attended to, let me know and we'll get to the bottom of it before you go home. How often do you need to have a sonosine exam? About once a year because things double in once a year. They, they So if you couldn't find it when it was just less than five millimeters, which probably isn't true, but you got to draw a line somewhere. You want to find it by the time it's a centimeter, and it looks like ninety percent of cancers will show up if you. It will show up between five and ten millimeters once you've passed the test once. Okay. Because every year it won't have time enough to get above above um, a centimeter. And you said you find cancers in about one in 200 women that come to your clinic, correct? Initially, yes. Um, the, what happens, in fact, there was one of, one of the women who was very good as a radiologist in, um, in uh, Arizona at um, uh, whatever the, <laughs> the fancy town outside of Phoenix, uh, Scottsdale. Um, <laughs> And, and she she's very good. She's got very good eyes. And the first year, she's got a very small practice. She found, I don't know, five or six cancers. And then the next year, she said, I only found one. I said, she said, I think my, uh, I'm losing my, you know, skill. I said, no, you cleaned out the closet because you got the ones that didn't show up this year on a mammogram the ones that didn't show up would should not show up in a mammogram in two years, and probably half of the ones that wouldn't show up for three years. And so you got all the ones to get, and now you have to wait for a new crop to grow. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's, but basically, so 
once you get past the first one, you're probably looking at maybe two in a thousand. Uh, and before that, it, it depends, five, six, maybe per thousand. And what are some of the signs of breast cancer? Say a woman is concerned about her breast. I know for my breast, uh, my right breast, uh, my implants leaking, and I had some kind of achiness, and I had my nipple was itching quite a bit, and yeah. I knew something was wrong. I didn't know what. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about what kind of symptoms a woman can expect if she has a breast cancer tumor? Yeah. Okay. The, the first thing is if you feel a mass, a lump, mm-hmm. no matter what they tell you, get somebody to put an ultrasound probe on there because you can see if that's a cancer. You know exactly where it is. You say, it's right here. Now, there are things that cause lumps that aren't cancer. Um, Women who are, well, first of all, um, underwire bras, are they don't cause cancer, but they're irritants because they stick up and the, the breast is... It's got its edge against that. If you're wearing a purse on that side, the um, the purse strap is pushing down every step, and the uh, the wire is bouncing up every step. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes you'll get irritation from that. Doesn't cause cancer, um, but it causes tenderness. And women say, <laughs> "What is this?" So that's that's fairly common. It happens more on the left side because the left breast is usually bigger than the right breast. About 10% it's the other way around, but most of the time it's the left breast is larger than the right. Um, so the bra, because they're made for the, the cups are made the same, that alone can cause problems just because the the pivot point is the the up point of the uh, the outside point of the larger cup, rather than the larger breast, the, the, it'll it'll irritate that. Um, you can have things like short women who are fairly busty. Um, if they're less than five four, the um, the seatbelt doesn't fit right. The seatbelt is made for basically five, four and above to about six feet. Um, otherwise, otherwise it starts giving you trouble. And what happens is if you notice that on the left breast, on the inside of the breast, the, the, the inside part that's closer to the breastbone, down toward the bottom is irritated you know, if you push there and that's hurting and it kind of chronically goes on and off. Next time you're in a car, look at where the seatbelt is and push on the edge of the seatbelt that's that's uh, close to the, the breastbone. And if that hurts, uh, go buy one of those fuzzy things they have in the in the uh, car wash. That's what those are for, is to, to um, keep that seatbelt from irritating you. None of that causes cancer, but but it when you have something that's irritating you or or feels like a mass, you have to get an answer, and 
Sometimes it's that simple. Sometimes you have to get an ultrasound and say, yeah, there's nothing here. Let's try and figure out what's wrong. Or maybe there is something there. So can a woman have itching or pain or any other kind of vague symptoms like that if she has a tumor? Okay, itching, oftentimes the, the areola are more allergenic or they have more allergy problems than the, um, the usual skin. So if you hit itchy nipples and areola generally mean look at the soaps, look at what you're using in your dryer, you know, these bounces or fluffy or whatever the hell they are, um, those can, those can cause allergies. So what you do is you, and sometimes it's only one nipple. So you try to get rid of all the allergens first. And they're usually topical allergens, uh, perfumes, uh, deodorants, you know, whatever you shoot down there mm-hmm. is, is an allergen. And so um, that's, that is the first level that you try. If you have something that's persistent on your nipple, it's rare, but you, there can be a, if it gets crusty, uh, there's a thing that's called Paget's disease, which can be a cancer, but that's rare. So, you know, go through this, these other things first. Um, and generally speaking, the one thing that, that I have seen, the women that come in say, Oh, you know, I kind of hurt here, and I, sometimes it's over here, and sometimes there. Those usually turn out to be nothing. The one that comes in and says, I can't feel this, but there, I know there is something right here. And oftentimes they're right. Uh, there, is, there is a... It's not that it hurts. It is... You're getting a signal that says something's wrong here. Mm-hmm. And it's usually a very strong signal. And when that happens, you go find somebody who knows what they're doing and put an ultrasound right on that and see what, see what it is. And sometimes, some, sometimes it's not, but it's enough times that get it checked out. Yeah. Well, Dr. Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really, really appreciate it. Wanting to the listeners again where they can find you and learn more about the Sonocine breast exam. Okay. There's sonocine.com, which is about the Sonocine. There is my website, which is Kevin, what is it? Kevin <laughs> it KKMDInc.com. Okay, great. And, and you can also and, Google and Dr. If, Kevin. And if you want to send me a note, it would be Dr. Kelly app. Okay, great. Okay, well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really well, Wendy, thank it. you for giving me an opportunity to to uh, bring this what knowledge I have out to to women, and um, any of them that have questions, tell them to give me a buzz. Absolutely, and listeners, if you want to learn more about me, you can go to live to one hundred and ten dot com, and you can learn all about my healing and detox program at mineralpower.com. Thank you so much for listening to the Live to 110 podcast.